chapter 38 today and I'm going to try and cover it 38 and 39 it seems like maybe that's sort of a lot but I maybe not I think we can maybe do that today next week uh, I believe Brian and Cindy Dink are going to be here in Sunday school and they're going to just recount I think a lot of their work in Ethiopia a lot of uh, things that they've been doing so we won't get back into Isaiah until then another week after that. And that'll be chapter 40, which gets us into a new section. It's a lot more prophetic, a lot more messianic material. The famous Isaiah chapter 53 is the Jews say when they read their Hebrew Bible, what's Jesus doing in my Bible? Uh, but there he is. <laughs> uh, even the Jews know it. <clears throat> uh, so, uh, and uh, before I read a little bit here, Greg, if you could help us out, and maybe just to look up 2 Kings chapter 20, and we're going to be looking at some verses around verses 4 through 8 around in that area. Okay. You going to read? We will in a second here. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Uh, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became sick, and it was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. All right, verses 1 through 3 here. Historical records indicate, and also verse 6 shows this, and also in uh, Second Kings, we're going to read in, in a second, that uh, probably uh, this event occurred before all of this with Sennacherib. In other words, he was probably with this sickness deal before Sennacherib showed up and we had all that historical material that we read through. Uh, in other words, it's a little bit out of order. It should be before that. It's what most people think. But Do they say why? Well, it's, it's even reported uh, 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 I don't know why I don't know uh, it just, just that's the way it's in here uh, a lot of this uh, also some of this material is really almost a verbatim quotation from second kings a lot of this is from second kings so wherever they put that material in I'm, I'm not sure about all that uh, well uh, Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and says, set your house in order for you shall die and shall not recover. Well, Isaiah's word is no doubt from the Lord, uh, but as we'll see a little later on in Hezekiah's psalm, nevertheless, Hezekiah treats the Lord uh, on the basis of the heart change that Hezekiah has undergone. I mean, he seems to be strong for Yahweh now. And his accompanying whatever, repentance and, and so forth, as we might say, and his zeal for the name of Yahweh and so forth. Uh, 
So I, I think I would say, is Isaiah a false prophet here? I No. I mean, the word that came to Isaiah was, you go to Hezekiah and tell him, he better put his house in order because he's going to die. Nevertheless, Hezekiah entreats the Lord in prayer. Hezekiah neither rages nor makes demands. He is simply praying, Lord, please give me a break here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did you say? Yeah. Tearful pleadings. Tearful pleadings. Tearful pleadings. There you go. Jim. I got a question. Go ahead. I was thinking about the sovereignty of God. He changes not and so forth. And when I see passages like this where God says, okay, you can change my thinking on this. I'm going to let you live or whatever. He still does not change in his being God, I know. But prayer moves the Lord. Prayer Prayer changes things. And I think, again, God desires to be in fellowship and in conversation with us. He desires for us to converse with Him. Does God know the beginning from the end? Yes. But He desires a process with us where we don't know the beginning from the end. So we talk with God. The process helps our heart to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why does God ask so many questions? He wants to talk with us. Yeah. <laughs> As if he didn't know. Yeah. Know. yeah. yeah. Chris? He know what we know. Well, I was just going to say, you see this in other places too. You know, Moses, Moses talked to God and changed, God changed his mind. God, quote, changed his mind. Changed yeah. His mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So, this, you know, this isn't. This isn't unprecedented. No, 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 you're right. And every time, every time that God changes His mind, it's always for the better. Mm. I mean, you know, kinder. For the better. Kinder. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I know what you're saying. More merciful. <laughs> more merciful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's mysterious. You know how. Yeah, yeah, right, definitely, and it's as if we can we can get God figured out. I mean, we can. So, I mean, we talk, we pray. That's, I mean, God, please. I mean, I need help. You know, the phrase "put your house in order" is interesting here because Manasseh had not been born yet. Manasseh was Hezekiah's successor. Okay. Carrying the seed of Solomon. Uh, now you've, you've done all the work about how the two lines from David you know, intersect. Yeah. So it's an important thing. Well, sure, surely. How do you know that Manasseh had not been born yet? Uh, it just works out. <laughs> oh. As you go through, as you go through scripture. Uh, oh, okay. I think Manasseh was really young. Well, how about that? Over. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and then, then. Uh, Wait, that was to Ahaz, though, wasn't it? Uh, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. promise was to Yeah, him. yeah. Okay, well, okay, if that's the way uh, it is. I, so, I, don't I mean, for, for some reason, you know, uh, as, as far as Solomon's line goes, Hezekiah was still carrying that seed. And Manasseh and, needed to be born. And, <clears throat> yeah, okay. And needed to be passed on. Well, well, very good. So, I mean, that's just an added element here. Well, yeah, here. for sure. I mean, God is not not going to wipe out that No, line. and he's not willing for that line to die out until the Messiah comes. No. 
Very good. All right. Uh, all right. Verses four and five. Okay. Now, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah: Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father: I have heard your prayer; I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add fifteen years to your life. Well, very good. And now we want to read. <laughs> yeah. Now we want to read Second Kings chapter twenty, verses four through six, please, uh, Greg. Yes, and it came to pass, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day shalt, uh, thou shalt go up and unto the house of the Lord. Okay. The point there's some other things there, but the point I wanted to make here was before Isaiah had gotten out of the middle court. In other words, he was still in the king's palace. I mean, so he's going out, and before he gets out, the word of the Lord comes to him, so says, "Go tell Hezekiah, I'm going to add 15 years to his life." So yes, Isaiah is the prophet of God. Is he prophesying truly? Yes. I mean, God says you better be putting your house in order because you're. Uh, you're getting out of here pretty soon. Hezekiah begins to pray. Isaiah walks out. God says, go tell Hezekiah I've added 15 years to his life. Can God do that? Yes. Can God uh, change a bad situation into a good one? He can. Can He change a good situation into a bad one? He could. I mean, yeah. So that's why we pray. <laughs> it's an if-then situation, yeah. isn't it? God yeah. just didn't say it out loud to Hezekiah. If you have tears, blah, blah. God no, knew he would. No, Hezekiah. Yeah, Hezekiah just started praying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's, not, there's not a person in this room who is who is here without prayer. I believe somebody that's right. Prayed, somebody prayed for everybody in this room at some point. I believe that's right. That prayer. There you go. So, so for all everybody in this room is an answer to prayer. So prayer evangelism could be a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, verse six. Uh, I will. Well, maybe we read. It. I'll deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and will defend the city. Uh, yes. So that indicates that this was prior to that sort of its Assyrian thing. Verse seven. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that He has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz turn back ten steps. So the sun turned back on the dial the ten steps by which it had declined. Uh, 7 and 8. Uh, let's look at Second Kings again. Chapter 20, Greg, verse 8. Uh, and Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal and that I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day? Yeah. So in Second Kings we see that Hezekiah actually asked for a sign. Unlike Ahaz, his father, whom Isaiah offered a sign. I don't know why. I mean, Ahaz, probably in a kind of a super spiritual way, well, no, I... I don't need a sign. I'm just going to trust God. Really? I mean, you know, and I don't know why, but anyway. Do you have, anybody have any insight about Ahaz on that? I mean, I don't know. 
Do you have anything? I think that's about as accurate as it can be. Say again? I, I said I think you're, I think you're right. And I think it was a false piety. False piety. Yeah. <laughs> I call it super spirituality, but false piety. Yeah, yeah, super <laughs> right. Super right. Super right. Very I remember Paul, Paul's words. He said, the Jews seek a sign, yeah. and the Greeks seek after wisdom. wisdom. Isn't that right? I, mean, I can't remember what he said after that. <laughs> but Christ, the wisdom of God, is what, how follow Christ is the wisdom of God. Yeah. The power the of God and the wisdom of God. is greater than the, yeah. Yeah. Well, there are warnings throughout Proverbs about don't, don't try to be too holy. Don't, Why should you ruin yourself? Don't, don't pretend that you're better than you yeah, don't yeah. drive at exactly 30 miles an hour. People will run over you from behind. <laughs> <laughs> and that's here, anyway. Yeah. That's how you have to Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I took, I took, when I was in college, I took this preaching class and Dr. Levels, and his dad was. All the, le all the levels were famous. All, all those people, this was, yeah. This was his son, and uh, after my first sermon, Practice sermons, and the first, the first one he gave says, "Now, uh, David, don't try to be too holy." <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember, you, you remember the Apostle Paul spoke to Timothy that he sees his unfeigned faith. You know, therefore, there's such a thing as feigned faith. No yeah. doubt, it's that check off this Yeah, I would call that human faith versus uh, saving yeah, faith. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Also says better obedience is better than sacrifice yeah so if god says ask of me a sign then i ask it's best to be obedient well yeah not to be super spiritual your house in order you better do it yeah absolutely and you remember uh in that previous god said i have seen thy tears yeah sincere yeah yeah all of us need to get our house in order that's good that's a good idea declutter we might need to clean our house. Yeah, just clean it. <laughs> so we could ask, and there's no good answer to this, I guess, but we could ask, why was Hezekiah crying? No, he was praying. Well, we assumed that it was because he was going to die. Well, that too. But I mean, history has shown that everybody dies. You know? Would that really break his heart so much? Well, that, but everybody doesn't. Or was he thinking... God's not pleased here. Mm. You know, yeah, I've got to, I've got to well, maybe. get right with yeah, Maybe, maybe. How well the man was. was I, don't, he I couldn't say. I, I have met older people that they're they're ready to go. Oh, they yeah. don't want to do yeah. this anymore. I have a friend, that, uh, yeah. her daddy. Uh, you know, they put him in the emergency room, and they were talking about what they could do for him. I think he's like 98. He looked up. Mm. She told me he looked up at her and he said, No. Ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. I know. It's, that's, it, it, you know, that's a it's, crime. Yeah, and you can imagine how she felt. You know, you know, you hear the physicians, and you think, well, something can be done. But I mean, what it's actually good. has been done? It's good that yeah. they could ask. And he was wise. Yeah, yeah. Said, no, don't do it. His wife done, was already But gone. I've known yeah. some people that old that, oh, you want want everything done. You know, they don't, they don't understand that everybody's going to die and their time is well, getting there. I had a, they're not ready. This old fellow asked me one Scary. time, he said, Greg, you know, about a surgery on his, you know, about cancer back here. He said, what do you think I should do? <laughs> I was a young man. I said, I didn't know. I said, I guess you should fight for life. You know, I didn't know what to say. You know, yeah, but you know. he was seriously considered, you know, how many years is this going to get? And, you know, 
let the Lord lead you. All right, verse 9. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. So in verse 10 then, I'm going to call this Hezekiah's psalm. So let's read verses 10 through 15 first. I said, that's Hezekiah, in the middle of my days I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol, that would be the grave, for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. I like that image there. You know, the weaver is weaving his mat, and when he's done, he has to cut it off from the frame, you know. So his life is like that. I mean, everything's been woven. Now it's time to cut me off from the frame. <laughs> like a weaver, I've rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day to night, you bring me to an end. I calmed myself until morning like a lion. He breaks all my bones. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O oh Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. So this is a poem here, uh, sort of uh, bemoaning his upcoming death. Basically, I think is what this is. I don't really have anything here other than death is coming, and so I'm giving my lament for myself, as it were, uh, because that's it. Verse 16, O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. I'm not sure what all of these things are, well, we could go back, I guess, and look at the poem. By these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So, it is, obviously, by the everyday events of life that we live. This, I mean, this is our life, right? I mean, if I get up in the morning and cook eggs for myself, well, whatever. I mean, that's a habit. That's how I live. And, you know, then I go to work. That's how I live. And, you know, I have a cup of coffee at 10 o'clock. That's my habit. It's by all these things. That's my life. In other words, my soul life is developed through these ordinary meaningless, but they're not meaningless. All these, these habits and stuff, this is my life. And my habits are not the same as your habits. Because that's your life, right? It's by all these things that we live. And so we understand life by all these insignificant actions in which we live. So you can understand your neighbor when he says, I'm out of coffee, I'm going crazy. Yes, I understand. <laughs> and, and, on, and on it goes. I'll give you some of mine. Yeah, I mean... And we understand other people because, I mean, we're not just living in these kind of dramatic moments, I mean, every day. It's, uh, our life is more commonplace than that. I mean, we go to work. I mean, you know, we come home and have supper. 
we play with our children, you know, and you know, we go to bed and the next day we do it again. This is life. So the uh, the Septuagint version of this verse I think makes a little more sense. Go ahead. Alright, so Lord, it was told thee concerning this, and you have revived my breath, and I'm comforted to live, for you have chosen my soul that it should not perish. Wow. So so the Septuagint really hammers home that all of this suffering that he's going through, God preordained all well, of this. There you go. Very good. All right, let's read a little more. Go ahead, David. Maybe somewhat of an indication of Craig was saying when he was weeping, when yeah. he was praying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is it. This well, is prayer. I, I noticed in verse 10 it says, I am deprived of the residue of my years. So apparently he felt like he had a lot of good years left. Right. God is you know, getting ready to take him. Yes. And I don't know how old he was, but maybe not that old. According yeah, to, according you're right. to Wikipedia, he probably died around 55. So this would have been, he would have been around 40. Around 40. Right. There you go. There you go. Chris, do you have anything? No? Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. No, nobody, nobody wants to die at 40. No. no. I don't care how bad your life is. I don't even want to die today and have a lot more than 40. <laughs> We're not ready, are we? I'm not ready, but I might. Who knows? I'll tell you, some of the pain I've been suffering here over the last month has almost made me say, man, I, maybe I ought to be getting out of here. Every person that lives needs to read this chapter. <laughs> because we're all in the same. Well, sure. The one in Kings or this one, Isaiah. Isaiah 38. We all don't need to read because all of us need to get our house in order. Well, there you all go. All of us, you know, our lives may be cut short because we're not doing what God wants well, we, us to do. Or maybe we are, and He cuts us off yeah. anyway. But Yeah. All right, let's go to verse uh, 17. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Many times in Scripture, healing is linked with the forgiveness of sins. Look at Jesus. You know, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisee, what are you talking about? And he says, well, okay, right, take off your mat and walk. I mean, so you'll know that I can do this. So forgiveness of sins and physical healing a lot are identified in Scripture. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And you remember in Acts, the verse I'm all the time, says he, he did this so that men would seek, seek Him in the hope that they might grow for Him. Well, and indeed, yes, and indeed sickness might be a way in which men seek God. Mm -hmm. That's true. Sure. You know, I, I didn't bring this up last week. True. Uh, the Syrophoenician woman or the Greek woman in the, in the message last week, one of the things I was studying, it said, you know, one, this woman is, is a Gentile, but demon possession doesn't happen by accident. It's not like, you know, this demon just wandered in and said, this, girl, this little girl looks good, let me just possess her for a while. Yeah. So there had to have been, obviously we're speculating, but there had to have been something that invited this demonic yeah. Usually there is, yeah. And so of course, Jesus sees the faith of his mother and says, you have faith, your daughter's here. And I was. It's, it's a similar. I think it's a similar comment. I was thinking about your sermon last week too, and you mentioned it. But it's great that the only two people in Scripture that ever make sensible responses to Jesus are Gentiles. Gentiles. Yeah, the Roman centurion. That one. Wow. All right, verse eighteen. 
Now, okay, you have cast all my sins behind your back. Okay, verse 18. For Sheol does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. He's talking about the living here. The living, the living, he thanks you. As I do this day, the Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. So, uh, because we live, because God is allowing us to live, well, let's praise God a little bit. Let's have a good time a little bit. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we could praise God a little bit, you know. I tell you what, for health, we can praise God. Amen. We wouldn't be complaining so much. That's right. Oh, man. Enjoy the breath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that you can breathe easy. Oh man, all these things. Let's rejoice a little bit. We've developed, and I don't know if this is a Protestant problem or not, but we've developed this idea that prayer is nothing but petition. Yeah. It should be adoration. <coughs> yeah. Amen. Exactly. Isn't that the truth? Because yeah. praise is prayer. Isn't that the truth? Confession. Confession of God. No kidding. <laughs> Now Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil that he may recover. So this was his sickness. Hezekiah also had said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? So here we see what we read earlier that Hezekiah did ask for a sign. All right, let's go to chapter 39. And and, uh, yes, I think we'll we'll finish with chapter 39 for today. Connor. Real quick before we do a question. What's going on with the figs? That's got to be significant. You tell me. I, I have no idea. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know. Figs show up all over the place in Scripture. That's got to be symbolic. I will say that yesterday while mowing the lawn, I noticed my fig bushes have recovered enough. They've got several figs. Yay. I told my wife, I think you're going to have figs in two or three weeks. All right. There was great snow at my house this morning. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. The fig tree is usually a symbol of Israel. So, and, and Jesus finds a fig tree that doesn't have any figs, but obviously there are figs there. So, you know, maybe just a sign of fruitfulness or blessing. If you get a yeah. boil, try this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some medicinal. Could be. 
I don't know. Fruit. I've been taught they've got a much higher sugar content than a lot of fruits. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Well, I, if someone's interested here, I mean, do some work on this about the figs. I mean, I, I really don't know. Maybe they're fermented or something. Yeah. All right, chapter 39. Now, uh, again, uh, from what I'm studying and reading here, it seems that this visit from these envo envoys from Babylon perhaps occurred before the uh, Assyrian threat. Uh, that's possible. It, it, maybe not too totally important, but that's possible. So, anyway, <clears throat> verse 1. At that time, Merodach Baladin, the son of Baladin, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and had recovered. And Hezekiah welcomed them gladly, <clears throat> and he showed them his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his whole armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. <clears throat> Uh, one translation might be, and Hezekiah rejoiced over them. Uh, uh, well, basically, uh, for he welcomed them gladly. In other words, <clears throat> a small power here, Israel or Judah, is being visited by a large world power, namely Babylon. Okay, so Hezekiah is happy about all this. So Hezekiah rejoices, <clears throat> and he opens the treasure houses for them. The Babylonian envoys had probably seen much greater wealth in Babylon. This might have been a little boring to them, but uh, Hezekiah thought it was great. Okay, So this is just another example, possibly, of trying to impress others here. <clears throat> well, what does God think about Hezekiah's performance? Well, in verse 3, basically, the prophet shows up. Isaiah shows up. It's like one of the kings of Israel said, oh no, here he comes again. And he always just says bad things about me. Can we get another prophet in here? <laughs> oh no, do I have to do this again? Oh please, you know, right. Uh, so, okay. Uh, verse 3 and... Uh, okay, well... Um, I think maybe I should just read the rest of the chapter here. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? As if he didn't know. Hezekiah said, They have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouse that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. So now this is a prophecy of the Babylonian captivity. This is not the Assyrian threat. That's something else that was happening in Israel. So this is Babylon, another empire, and the history of all that, who conquered who, and Babylon rose up and all this. Uh, I'm, I'm not an expert there, but this is Babylon. Uh, nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. 
Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, The word of the Lord is good that you have spoken. For he thought there will be peace and security in my days. At least this will happen to other people. He's counted his blessings. All right. So I would like to end the lesson today with an excursus. An excursus means we're going to take a little journal, side journey uh, into the topic of when should we open the storehouse and when should we not open the storehouse. Okay. Now, I'm going to let you help me here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chris, Matthew 13, uh, verses 51 and 52. And uh, David, Proverbs 8, verses 18 through 21. And Craig, Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 13. The point I want to illustrate here is that we all have a storehouse. Uh, so, Chris, Matthew 13, 51, 52. All right. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. <laughs> He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. So every scribe that's been instructed into the kingdom of God brings out of his treasury or his storehouse things new and things old. Okay. I like that. I love that those verses, really. And if you read that whole chapter, Jesus is given about eight or ten parables. Some of them are not that easy. Jesus said, do you understand all these things? They say, yes. I have to believe they're lying. I mean, I just can't believe that they understood all that. They look good in the Yeah, exactly. And then Jesus tells this short parable or story about the storehouse. Uh, Proverbs 8, 18 through 21, David. 18, okay. 18 through, Proverbs 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 18 with, through 21. Yeah, with me are richer, riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. And making their treasuries full. This is wisdom speaking here in Proverbs 8. Uh... Well, there is, I mean, there is something uh, called physical wealth that people could have. If physical wealth is used rightly, it's a symbol for spiritual wealth. It, it would be a symbol for that. In other words, a, a Christian who has wealth would be able to use that wealth in a way that glorifies God. And it's, it's really a symbol, really. Of, of God's riches is, is what it becomes. It, it, it's a symbol of the storehouse or the treasury that we all have. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 13. Craig? Uh, the mandrakes give off a fragrance, and at our gates are pleasant fruits, all manner, new and old, which I have laid up for you, my beloved. So the wife lays up for the husband here all manner of precious fruits that grow outside their gate, and she's laid them up in the storehouse. All right, <clears throat> so the storehouse then that you have is your whole life experience. You have a lot. 
And you can bring stuff out that edifies other people. So the question is, how much should we bring out or how much should we not bring out? <laughs> so the first point then is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Pastor Nick, if you want to read that, that's 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Paul is instructing Timothy here. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate themselves teachers to suit their own passions. <laughs> So I would say in your storehouse you also have the gospel, obviously. Uh, so I'm going to throw this out on the basis of what Paul is saying here. You can always share the gospel. In other words, the time is always opportune to do right, as Martin Luther King said. Uh, it's true that we do discern with other people wow, I need to share the gospel here with this person. Or we do discern that, well, maybe this is not the right time. I, I mean, I've done that. I suspect you have too. Okay. What if you make the wrong discernment and you share the gospel at the wrong time? Well, the wrong time is the right time because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So it could be an inopportune time. It doesn't matter. You can always share the gospel whether you're right or whether you're wrong. You're always right because the gospel goes out and even if a person rejects the gospel, it may have gone in here, right? And it may come back out at another time. They say, "Well, I'm going to believe." Huh? Well, that too. That too. It doesn't return void. So I don't think we have to worry about that. I mean, discernment. Okay. Yes. I, I, this person I probably shouldn't share with right now. Okay. But if you make the wrong discernment, in my view, it doesn't matter because the gospel is, is always No, no, but if you make a mistake, it doesn't matter. See, see, anytime, anytime. All right, so that's one thing about the storehouse. We have the gospel. We can share it in season or out of season. It's okay. I will, if I can say this, I had a brother-in-law who's now deceased quite troubled. We were at a Christmas party and I mean he was as drunk as you could possibly be and I, I was there and he he came up mm -hmm. and said we were going to sort of sit down at my mom's house and he came up and sat beside me and says, tell me about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I'll tell you what, his name was David too. I said, I'll tell you what David, you come back tomorrow morning. And I'll tell you. And I'll tell you everything I can about Jesus. Did he come back? He said, no, he didn't come back. He just said something like, well, you're not going to go to hell with you. But I just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't the right time. And that's perfectly, that's discernment, man. That's discernment. In season and out of season? It, well, if he'd have, it wouldn't have been wrong if he did. It wouldn't have been wrong. It would have been out of season, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're the evangelist, man, and I... <laughs> I'm not going to tell you when to share with the gospel with somebody or when not to. I mean, you're the evangelist, so go for it. I mean, sometimes with discernment, sometimes not. So. My friend Gary Lucas, he 
And season and out of season. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Did you ever meet Brother Tapley? Brother Tapley, he was an older oh, yeah, gentleman, yeah, I and he would stop him in the, in the uh, parking lot, he and he would tap him he on would the beat chest on your chest and say, heaven or hell, where are you going? He mostly shared, he, he wouldn't discern who was a Christian. No, no not at all. No, no, not at all. He was not a discernment man. Not, yeah. just, no, no. I ran into him, I had just moved here, I ran into him in the parking lot of the Walmart, and uh, he was handing out tracks and told me I was going to hell. Yeah, he just oh. assumed everybody was lost. <laughs> <laughs> I have been for like 15 years. So. I mean, that's, that's dangerous stuff, really. I mean, that's, is that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? That's a dangerous, yeah. you know, way to break the ice. No, it's yeah. too soon. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right, yes. Okay. Every time I hear a conversation about sharing the gospel, it always devolves into just verbal communication. Why is it? It's always that way. Our constant sharing the gospel is with our actions and with our life. Um, also, the verbal is just icing on the cake. Also, so well, there you go. There is a real warning that Christ gives about throwing your pearls before pigs. That's a real warning, yeah. and I think that has to do mostly with the verbal communication of the gospel. Well, the constant in and out of season sharing—that's in the regular daily Christian life. That's true. However, there are guys like David's friend that's a street preacher, and he's yeah. just, he just preaching all the time. I mean, you know, well, does the in and out of season mean no matter how you feel? Could be that. Oh, yeah. Could I don't be, feel like it, it but I need that. Could be that. Yeah. Like you said, you know, don't cast your pearl. Yeah, listen, don't, listen don't, I'm not going to put a break it. on anybody sharing the gospel mm-hmm. however they want to do it. I think okay. might have been, uh, for instance, Cece said, you know, we should always share the gospel, and when necessary, there you yeah, go. Exactly. There you go. All right. Other. Well, you've already mentioned these. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Connor, Proverbs 8, 18 through 21. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, no. That's not right. Connor, Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. We're talking about opening the storehouse. 26? Go ahead, uh, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Okay, so this is discernment. This is the walk of discernment. You know, how much can we share? When should we share? Man, I don't have any rule. I mean, you're going to have to listen to the Lord and discern the situation. Does this person really need to hear it? And then we're not talking about just the gospel itself. Christ died for your sins and he resurrected. But maybe wisdom teaching from scripture or other things. I mean, is this the time for this person to hear this? Maybe not. Maybe so. It's up to you. I mean, who, who can have a rule here? Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. I'll, I'll read that one. It's one of my favorite passages. We've talked about it before. Isaiah 30, 21 says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it when you turn to the right hand or when you turn to the left. So this is guidance by the Holy Spirit who simply impresses you, yes, this is the time. Or, no, this is not the time. Uh, This hadn't happened to me very often, I must say. But uh, this is in uh, Latin America I don't know, 
25 years ago or something. I was, I don't know, I was sitting out on a bridge someplace on a park bench just enjoying myself. <laughs> and there was a guy standing at the rail of the bridge and I thought, I need to share the gospel with that guy. And uh, then I, I don't want to do that. I need to share the gospel with that guy. So finally, I got up and went over and shared the gospel with the guy. He believed in Christ. He said, yeah, I want to believe. Boom. Wow. Okay, well, there's a church over here. Pastor Gonzalez is a, is a good man. He'd be happy to welcome you. Instruct you in the faith. Okay. Wow. I must say, that doesn't happen to me very often. But I'm just saying, who knows? I mean, God may impress you to do something or not do something. I mean, it's... It's your relationship with God, not mine. Okay? So everybody's kind of got their own relationship with God going here. So uh, how should we open the storehouse? Well, you've got a lot to share. Uh, you've got experiences with Christ to share, right? I mean, a lot. Does everybody need to know everything you know? Well, maybe not. But does somebody need to hear something? Well, maybe so. So go for it. So that's it on the storehouse. Yes and no. Open it and don't open it. It depends on you. Okay? It's always opportune to share the gospel. Well, you've got to be careful about what you share. You have to be careful. You've got to be very careful. And some, yes, and sometimes a person can't receive what you're, you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, friends, that's what I have for today. We'll stop here.